0: Welcome to Ed's Edge, the podcast to help you live the life you've always wanted. I wanna give you an edge, a financial edge. I'm Ed Meek. I'm a financial advisor with a passion to help you retire early, save more, and live better. It's often the little things, small behaviors, that can change our lives. That's the power of a financial edge. Death and taxes and change. So everybody always knows what are the two things in life we know are always going to happen. We're all going to die and we're all going to pay taxes. Also, change. Today, what we're going to focus on are couples who go from two incomes to one. There's a lot of reasons why this can happen. Divorce or two professionals having a family, one staying home or even losing a job in more recent economy, various reasons. We don't need to focus on that, but what we do want to focus on are what are some things that can be done before, if you know what's going to happen, during or even after. good buddy of mine that I grew up with, my uh, the friend I've been friends with, I don't know, since I was three or four years old, him and his wife actually came out to the suburbs. They used the same realtor as I did. They moved into the town next door in Glen Ellyn, Illinois. Uh, They were thinking about having a a family. They met at work, professionals. And she decided that she wanted to stay home, and he supported her for that. And I remember him coming to me and saying, hey, what are some of the things? He, He was a planner, but what are some of the things that we need to do to make sure we're put in a good spot? Because when you're used to making... I don't know how much more income, but when you're used to doing that and you got to change it, things things are a lot different. What I wanted to do today was just bring in James and say uh, we're ending the summer here, James. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, the summer for you? I know you had a vacation uh, a couple of weeks ago, right?
1: I had uh, what I like to call a staycation. You know, all things considered, we decided not to travel, but uh, enjoy time with the family nonetheless. And uh, during that time, I conveniently uh, scheduled that staycation for the first week of the Chicago Cubs baseball season. Holy cow! I did not realize how much I miss baseball until that, that first game came into play. That was that was pretty neat. So, to answer your question, I uh, watched a little sports. As you know, I'm uh, studying for that uh, certified financial planning exam, so that was quite fun. Uh, but also, you know, family time. That's that's really important for us right now. I think we can all relate with uh, this pandemic. Uh, Spending time with family in any way you can um, is is most important this year. And so speaking of family, you know, today's topic really hits home for a lot lot of people. Going from double income to single income. We actually did that, my wife and I, uh, several years back. We had decided even before we got married that we wanted uh, her to raise our children. It's very important to us. I was raised by my mother. And she was as well. And so we saw eye to eye on that. And, uh, once, once she became pregnant, we knew that that was, that was upon us. Uh, we decided to make that shift from two incomes to one. So we'll talk a little bit about that today and uh, some other items as well that, uh, that you might be considering. So.
0: Great. So what we wanted to do is we have five key points that we think would be really helpful in this situation. Um, the first one, it's obvious, but I don't, I don't know if uh, people do a good job of this to begin with. But uh, the rule of thumb is always, whether you're single or married or whatever, uh, is to have at least a nice reserve, three to six months worth of uh, reserve and cash for emergencies. We all know what it's like to have an emergency, but it's especially important when there's only one breadwinner. We don't know if, uh, you know, economy goes in a tailspin. If for some reason, you, you don't get that bonus you think you were going to get, or God forbid, if uh, if you lose your job, you need to have those reserves. When two people are working, it's a lot easier to fall back on one if one loses their job. So uh, increasing those reserves is, uh, is kind of first and foremost.
1: Everyone knows we need to have cash reserves, right? It's difficult to do it. Case in point are with these big companies in the market that failed to increase their reserves when things were going so well. They decided to take some of these profits and buy back stock. Well, guess what happened? They became in some trouble once the pandemic happened. No fault of their own the pandemic happened. They were not prepared. These big companies these did not increase reserves. And so that simple concept, while easy in, practice, easy in principle, is difficult to practice. So appreciate you bringing that up, Ed. It's easy to say it. I, I realize that I think the most effective way to be able to build that cash
0: reserves, if you know what's going to happen ahead of time, that's the easiest way. For example, you know that in, your wife gets pregnant and you got nine months. She can work for six, seven, eight months. Use some of that money that she's making to kind of build that cash reserves up. If for some reason you get thrown into a situation where somebody loses their job or something happens... Then what you have to do is pull back the horns in another area and allow that cash reserves to build up. It's a lot more painful in that situation. But if you don't and the furnace goes out or air conditioning goes out or you got to do the roof or something crazy happens, we do not want that situation to happen. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Obviously, if you know it ahead of time, that's the easiest way to
1: do it. Here's another example. If you don't, I'm going to talk about the most exciting topic in the world, uh, budgeting. So that terrible B word, if a situation comes into play where you know you need to tap into reserves very, very quickly, the easiest answer, we've all heard this before, but I'm going to give a little spin on it with budgeting, is you know, you've got your fixed expenses, things that go out the window right away, and you've got variable expenses. Most people say, well, I'll cut back some variable expenses. I'll cut back some restaurants. I'll cut back here and there on the variable side most people ignore the fixed expenses thinking that is something that just is going to come in well perfect example do you need all those cable channels do we need a gym membership right now i'm not saying we shouldn't be healthy So let's not uh, mistake that. But some of these this money that's we're not we're ignoring that that fixed side. And so, really take a look at both ends and determine what where can I cut back. That again, it's not changing my life today in a bad way. It it will just increase that reserves quicker than I normally think it would. Yeah, I realize
0: that people hate the word budget, and the reason is because it feels constraining. Um, But it's just so powerful. It just helps so much. People who People who do budgeting, it just makes your life so much easier. It takes away all that anxiety, which which we all know um, there's a lot of anxiety around money sometimes. So those are the first two. The third one is another word that absolutely people run in terror. And the reason I know is because from personal experience. So I, I go to college, I meet my wife, we get married, two weeks out of college. I promised her, I promised her I would not take a job on a hundred percent commission.
1: And James, what did I do? I'm guessing you took a job on hundred percent commission
0: and I just didn't do that. I did that. And I became a life insurance salesman. Oh boy. Right. So whenever I would tell people, what do you do, Ed? Um, I sell life insurance. There would be accountants that would come across their face because they thought I wanted to sell them life insurance. They were, in fact, right. I did want to sell them life insurance, (laughs) but uh, nobody likes it, especially from some pukey 22-year-old kid, right? So even though that all was the case, there's a reason life insurance is out there. And it's really important, especially in a situation like this. So I have a story. It's about a relative. I just spoke with him last week. He's doing great with his job his wife was doing great they had a child and now she barely is working anymore so it's really kind of this scenario we're playing out and i said and i said to him all right tell me about your life insurance he said well i have life insurance through the company and i said Mm. well let me let me play out a scenario you unfortunately get hit by the proverbial bus and she gets that life insurance, is she gonna be able to take care of your son the same way that she did, living in the same house, paying all the same bills? He said, no way, I don't have enough. He said, how much do I need? I said, well, there's ways, there's some calculations that can help determine that. But life insurance is super key when there's only one one breadwinner. And it's actually, you gotta make sure maybe both people need life insurance. The reason is because the person who's staying home taking care of the child, are you, you need to someone to take care of the child as well. So life insurance is super important on on uh, especially the income earner, but sometimes the second one as well. And, and now we're in the middle of figuring out what's the right amount for him. We're gonna look at, get some really cheap term insurance, He's nice and young. It's going to not hardly cost any money at all. So don't be afraid that it's going to cost a lot because we can get some pretty cheap stuff out there. You can you can search around and do that.
1: Yeah, I experienced that myself when we shifted from uh, the single the double income to the single income. Uh, that was something we took a hard look at is insuring, uh, insuring myself uh, being that breadwinner. And the only piece of advice I'll give is don't over insure yourself. You don't want yourself to be more valuable not here than when you're valuable here. So take that for what it's worth. I I think it was August 12th. I'm not sure, right around there.
0: Like This is like maybe two weeks ago. I'd been informed it was the afternoon. Some huge monster storm was coming through the Midwest. I think they had a term for it. They called it the Dureco or Duraco or something like that. I was at the office. uh, My two kids who were ready to go off to college were at home and my wife was at the office and we all just hunkered down and waited for it to go through. So I get home. And my daughter, who's 21, Callie, she ends up saying, Dad, you're not even going to believe what Nathan said when we were in the basement waiting for the storm to go by. And I'm Uh like, what? She's like, Dad, he said, you know what? Dad has a lot of life insurance. And so if he dies, we're still going to be okay.
1: (laughs) I was like, hey, you provided that peace of mind for him, didn't you?
0: Well, the the only thing I knew is I I, I do know that he really Didn't mean it. At least I don't think he did. But you know, it was uh, it it was a little sobering to hear that. Uh, But he knew he would be financially set because of the amount of life insurance. So I might be overinsured, James. I'm not sure. I'm thinking about cutting back now, just so my son doesn't think that way
1: anymore. I think we need to do an assessment now, Ed, based on that comment from Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we've got three pieces down. We got two more to go. What's the fourth? piece. This is a small one in practice, but a big one in terms of uh, feeling feeling empowered might be the best way to put it. So on your paycheck, um, you file certain deductions. You file, and, and it's a number, right? It's a zero, it's a one, it's a two, so on and so forth. Rather than going into what all those mean, the simple form, the simple way to think about it is the higher the number, the less money is taken out from taxes on your paycheck. And so what some people do is they never change that number and no matter what happens in their circumstances, they have more kids, you know, whatever the case may be, they never change the number. And then they're pleasantly surprised or, or uh, unpleasantly surprised on what the tax bill becomes later on that year. My recommendation, I think us here as a firm recommends, if you get tax money back the following year, you are actually giving the government an interest free loan. And what I'd rather have is money in my pocket today. Yeah, And so if you have less income in that given year, I would highly recommend looking at increasing that number for yourself. It's going to put more money in your pocket today. It's going to help you increase that reserves. It's not going to change anything later on in life anyways. So uh, another tip for you on that. Yeah, better
0: consistent cash flow. Right.
1: I would say now the last one, the, the the fifth one is really, and I'm
0: not trying to be a psychologist here, even though FYI, my wife is a psychologist. Keep the lines of communication open. This is so key. I mean, the other four don't mean diddly if we don't do this fifth one. We all know every single couple I have ever talked to when it comes to money doesn't see eye to eye in every single way, right? Example, I mean, my wife and I, we, we've we come a long way talking about this. It wasn't easy initially and we had no money, but now we're in a better situation. But just this morning, I realized I left... My cash debit card at our other place and i needed to get cash and i said can i use your cash card and she looked at me because i'm the one who takes a lot of cash out and she doesn't she looked at me and she said what are you doing with all that cash still wondering right now we were able to talk about it i gave her a couple good answers hopefully that worked but at the end of the day money is not easy thing to talk about i mean we see it we see it when people come in and they're retired and they've been married for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, right? And so it's not easy, but you gotta keep those lines of communication. The more you talk about it, you don't gotta talk about it every night, but if you understand each other and you and you know what this plan is, if you get these other things down, it makes it
1: a lot easier. It's a, it's a great thought. I mean, I've got an unfortunate circumstance, but personal uh, story that hits home well for me, there's a close friend Of mine who got divorced, and they, you know, years later they admitted it it was because of money. At the time, it didn't feel that way, that it wasn't because of money. But if you really look back, you know, money can do a lot of unique things to people. It can change your perspective on things, it can force control, it can do a lot of unfortunate things subconsciously. And so uh, keeping those lines of communication, being on the same page with money, there's a lot of people that preach that. We can't stress that enough. Being on the same page with money, especially during change, goes a long way.
0: My wife and I, as I think I mentioned, we were engaged uh, in four months after meeting each other, and then we got married 10 months later. And so we were both going to Loyola University in Chicago, and uh, she said, you know, um," this is like a month or two before we are getting married, she goes, you know, you... uh, you know, I didn't know anything about balancing. I mean, I was in college. I didn't know anything about balancing a checkbook or whatever. And she said, you should go talk to my dad. You know, he can help you out and maybe, you know, get us so we know what to do and get everything set up. And so her father was an estate planning attorney in downtown Chicago. So I just had to jump on the train and go down there. He was in the Sears Tower, one of the high up. And so I go all the way to his office and and he's like, oh, let's go out to lunch. So, you know, we went out to lunch. We sit down and he says, "So so what did you want to talk about? And I said, you know, well, I, you know, I'm not that great with money and I want to learn blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, KV takes care of that. That, that was his wife. <laughs> so, so, so I'm like, ah, well, I guess I got to go talk to KV. <laughs> yeah, so you do. I remember distinctly, it was a really good Mexican place. Um, he didn't help me at all in that way, but uh, I talked to KV and she set me up. But, you know, one of the things she communicated was everything we were talking about, which is what I've heard over and over and over. And now what we say to a lot of other people, you, you, you just need to talk about it you know, you're going to see money differently. Uh, It's understandable, but you got to kind of understand where there are other persons coming from. Compromise some and uh, you'll get a long way. So one last bonus, right?
1: That's right. Share it with us, Ed.
0: Well, the last bonus is if you take action on these items, it will diminish your anxiety. I mean, we all know we have anxiety often because we keep putting things, we keep thinking about things over and over and over. And a lot of these things... You know, you guys might have been listening to this and go, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. But if you just keep thinking about it, it's going to be mulling around in your mind. Uh, a lot of these things you can take some easy, quick actions to. And if you do that, you'll feel a lot more in control. It puts you in a lot better spot. And it really does build up those cash reserves and uh, and you'll feel a lot better. So minimize the anxiety. Get get going.
1: Well, terrific. I think that'll wrap up uh, this piece. Ed, what, uh, what do we have on Food for Thought today? I am no longer
0: a foodie. Remember I'm a chow hound and what we're going to do is talk about another recipe. So my wife, she won't be upset about this. I'm not throwing it under the bus. She hates to cook. She doesn't enjoy it. She realizes she's not great at it. I mean, no one could be great at something if they don't really like it, but there is this one dish and I don't know how many years ago it was eight, 10 years ago. She, she create, she created some concoction one time in the summer. And we literally don't even have this recipe written down. So the first time I write this down and post it for people, you'll, you'll be the first people to see the recipe, but it's a recipe that's, uh, that's, uh, got farfalli pasta in it, chicken, asparagus. I think the thing that really brings it together is sun-dried tomatoes. Mm. Uh, Most people like them, but sun-dried tomatoes normally come inside of a big jar and we uh, encourage you to get all the chopped up ones. And then they're inside of olive oil. And this olive oil has a sun-dried tomato olive oil taste to it. And what she does is she pours the whole jar in, or part of the jar with the olive oil and the sun-dried tomatoes. Some roasted pine nuts. Um, I can't remember if I said asparagus or not. And then she uh, and she puts a little bit of salt and pepper on there. But she mixes it up and it just has the all of the pasta gets that um, gets that olive oil on it and it gives it a taste to it. Some people like the asparagus, some people don't. Half my family does and doesn't. But for some reason, the kids when, in the summer, whenever they come there, I was like, I, ma- I want mom's pasta. So my chicken marsala they love a couple times, but they love mom's pasta. And so it's super simple. We haven't got it from any other chef, but it's an awesome pasta dish that is uh, super
1: easy to make recommendations on those sun-dried tomatoes where to get them from the key
0: really the most important thing is they got to be the chopped up i mean you can chop them up on your own but i don't know the brand that we use i can't remember off the top of my head but
1: i asked because i'm not gonna lie i am not a tomato fan with exceptions so we'll uh well we'll if you you ever
0: had a sun-dried tomato i have okay because it tastes very it's it's not at all like a tomato i mean they're you know obviously dried out and their their consistency is very different than just a regular tomato but you know even if you didn't eat i mean i think my son doesn't actually eat the sun-dried tomatoes but he loves the dish and the reason is because i think the sauce is still kind of on on the pasta so you could still enjoy the dish and not eat the sun-dried tomatoes
1: all right you've got a plan you've got a plan all right good luck i hope you like it thanks so much well appreciate the time everyone we'll talk to you next time
0: I have been slapped on my hand one too many times by my compliance attorney. This is to put me in good standing. This podcast represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time, should not be relied upon as investment advice and is not intended to predict or depict performance of any investment. Any specific recommendations or comparisons that are made as to particular securities or strategies are for illustrative purposes only and are not meant as investment advice for any viewer.